What's up, guys? Welcome into another episode of College Football Uncensored live uh, with our, I don't even want to say guest host anymore because you're not. Like, I don't want to say we're like family because I haven't seen the new Fast and Furious yet. But I don't feel like if you were, if we were basing this off of cast members of Fast and Furious, I don't feel like you're Vince. I yeah. Know, that's all I got. I think you would call me like a series regular. Like I'm uh I'm like Steve Martin on SNL. I just show up and host a million times. Like he was never a cast member, Steve Martin. He just hosted so much that they were like, oh. You, oh, I thought he was a cast member. I didn't realize that. No. King Tut, all the legendary SNL skits. He was a guest host. He wasn't a cast member. Well, I mean, you haven't provided us any legendary uh, skits, which is something we got to improve on for sure. <laughs> oh, just wait. The- I've got a great Bob Huggins skit that I'm working on. But no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, anyway, and then a great, part, a great one with Bud Light and Target too. We'll get into that later. Yeah, people. I just you know, I I have so many thoughts and feelings. I tried. To, I did a comedy show last week, and um, I started the show like like I was like I think somebody was drinking Bud Light or it was probably me, and I made a comment about I was like uh, I tried to make a joke about like maybe you know what I'm not gonna get into it. Let's just get into the show because I've already it's, I'm moving. It's a whole thing. The internet is is spotty. You guys have been, it's been a wild day for for college football in May, and I don't know why. It seems like everybody's angry today, um, or there's just a lot of reactions to things, and I can't tell if it's just because there hasn't been a lot of news this offseason, or if people are just so ready for football, the only way they know how to uh, outlet their emotions is lashing out irrationally. Well, you know, when 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 we have all havoc breaking loose, we got Eli Drinkwitz making national headlines. Like, yeah, you know, it's the off season. Well, let's get into that because that is what stole the show today. And if you haven't heard, Eli Drinkwitz not only hates nil, hates kids making money, but he also apparently hates his brother in law enough to put him on blast about making less money year over year than the seventeen year old players he recruits. Um, I'm joking for the most part when I said that. I will tell you that the, the the quote came out today and it was really, really taken out of context. Um, Ross Dellinger reported, and, and that Ross is great. I've never, I don't think he does anything like this just for clicks or anything like that. But I did feel like he kind of failed to include the context along with it. And if you guys didn't know, uh, SC coaches are down in Destin this week doing like a professional media days, I guess, um, where they don't have to deal with like the likes of me and you. So this is the quote that came out um, from Media Days today. Or not Media Days, you know what I'm saying. Um, from yes, spring meetings, whatever the hell they're called. Yeah, it also doesn't make any sense because it's fucking, it's almost June. So anyway, uh, the tweet simply says, Missouri coach Eli Drinkwood says college players through NIL are making more money than his brother-in-law, who is a pediatrician. Quote, he saves lives. Now, maybe it's just because I'm petty and immature. My first thought was like, man, his, his brother-in-law is going to be pretty salty about that. Uh, and maybe he was just trying to troll him. Because Drinkwitz is like never an angry person. And he's not, I don't, there's no part of me that thinks he'd be mad about NIL. Nevertheless, the way the internet works, that is exactly how it was taken. I had to Google it because I wasn't sure. I was like, what is the average salary for a pediatrician? And a lot of it varies on where you live. But the average pediatrician salary is only about two hundred eighteen thousand a year. That's so, it. That's, that's weak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. Yeah. Like so. So he is a stating a fact. Are there some college players making more than that? Nico Iamaliava could be a five-time pediatrician with what he's getting. So, um, you know, it's it 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 was a joke. But my problem right now is these coaches when they say anything regarding nil, anything, anything. If unless the, the comment is, man, isn't it great that players can finally profit off of their name, image, and likeness? That should be all you say. Because anything Nothing else, is wrong. We're going to live forever. Everything else makes you sound like an old, stodgy old man who doesn't want to pay kids and this is what's wrong with our sport. And right. isn't it all, shouldn't it just be about getting a scholarship, boys? Like, you sound old and stodgy and just ridiculous. And again, I'm not taking a shot at Eli Drinkwitz, but him, Saban, Hugh Freeze, whenever they talk about uh nil in this context and you know uh billy napier come out and go we got a problem we're here like okay like dude go worry take that up with your commissioner take that up with greg sankey don't take that up with in front of the media because you just sound old 
Okay, so like, and I I have a very different opinion on that. I because I, I don't think that like like the the things that jump out of me about, about Eli Drinkwitz is is like how overly excited he was when like just like with like Luther Burden and like the Luther Burden chips and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it is like he, there's no he so there's a, there's part of this which really bothered me because as with most things, the reaction was not even close to being warranted for what was actually said. The, it was taken out of context. It was a question about sports game uh, gambling. Um, and the question was, when you see issues with gambling arising, what's your approach with your team about the issue? Is there an element of surprise or is that inevitable? So basically asking like, is gambling going to end up like coming up and rearing its ugly head because we've seen it in baseball and also stuff like that. And he said, sigh, y'all are really trying to get me in trouble here. And then kept going on. And then the full quote was, we're giving guys 18 to 22 year olds life-changing money. People are making more money on NIL than my brother-in-law, always a pediatrician, save lives. He, and when we kind of do it cavalier and we think there's not going to be side effects or issues, there's information out there, bad actors out there, always trying to make a dollar, running around campuses, trying to gather information. It's going to become a key issue in our locker room. Here's, a, here's my take. Everything he said, besides the fact that pediatricians save lives, was accurate as hell. I don't know what kind of pediatrician he has. My pediatrician, we had a much different experience with. And also, Nico would be a, a terrible pediatrician because I'm an adult and can't pronounce his name. Can't pronounce, like, I can't imagine a five-year-old trying to do that. Anyway, but, like, I think a lot of times fans are so rabid and, and we already have these built-in, like, ideas of, like, I don't like that guy, mainly because I don't, I don't know him, but I, I know that, it, like, the colors he wears on the opposite sideline, I hate. So... Obviously, this guy is, is the worst, and there's no way he could just be stating a factual statement. There has to be some underlying reason. So when he like like the thing about Drinkwitz specifically, in the state of Missouri, if you're if you're a player that signs with a university for an athletic scholarship in the state of Missouri, the day you sign, it, you immediately have access to any NIL deals. It's the only state in the country that does that. So you don't have to wait until college. Eli Drakewitz was a big part in trying to implement that becoming like legislation. He's done a really, really good job like in, in supporting this. He should have never said anything about his brother-in-law saving kids. Yeah. I Of all the things I was not expecting, I was not expecting you to go, go to bat for Eli Drinkwitz this week. Uh, I just feel like you got to understand what this is. You're speaking at the SEC meetings in Destin. You're, whatever you say is going to catch headlines. That's why I say, again, like, whenever you're a coach talking anything about NIL, it should just be, man, isn't this great? With yeah. Players, isn't it great? And to, to your point, part of Drinkwood's quote was, we're paying players a lot of money. That's great. But you can't come back and say, I mean, he's making more money than my brother is a pediatrician. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yes, it's a good joke. But, like, understand, you say that out loud, it's going to grab headlines and people are going to go, hey, Eli, you make $6 million a year. You don't save lives. How about you give some of your money to your brother, the pediatrician? So right. that's how people are going to translate it. And it's it's with all coaches. The the salaries are so ridiculous, Marler. Six million, eight million, ten million. Everything you say is going to be scrutinized. As much as yeah. you pick it up to bat for Eli, no, nah, dude, this is part of the job. Like you're gonna yeah, get but like also I also kind of feel like because like Ross Ellinger, I, I consider a maybe the best journalist in all of like He's the good. country when it comes to college football. He's like who Dan Wolken thinks he is. He's like, he's actually really, really good at job. And there's never been one time that I've ever been like, oh, that's kind of an odd take from him until today. And I was like, because, and I don't think there was any kind of ill intent behind it. Um, you know, like, like chances are he, because he waited two hours to post more context. He was probably just doing more interviews and doing his job while he was working um, and then posted it afterwards. That being said, like, I wish there was some middle ground that, that both sides would kind of come like to both sides. I mean, like, Maybe we just don't all don't overreact in a way where we assume the worst every time out of out of whatever coach says that says that. <laughs> John says Dan Walken should be a pediatrician. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think a lot of people will be happy with that life career change. Um, yeah, listen, I, kid, I, you're gonna die again. What? Like just just to go back to drink. Like again, if he'd use that moment to just say, um, if he would just say, um, use that to promote Luther Burton. Hey, we got Luther yeah. Burton, a chip deal. We got this, you know, like that. That's where, like, more talk about how great it is for your players instead of. And again, I'm not just throwing drink here, but like all the other coaches that talked on NIL today, they just sound like old men who were like, 
you know, we don't like the way this, all the tampering, all the tampering that's going on. Well, go tamper better than the other guy. Like, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I do love, I do love this take though. Cause it's been funny about like, cause, cause like, of course, anything that Saban says is going to be like, like it's not going to get a great reaction. Um, but somebody brought up today, they were like, he hates seeing kids be able to profit because he knows it's going to be the end of, you know, like, like what made him so successful, which was, you know, he had the upper hand, just amassing talent. Right. Um, but now that he's like, you know, kids are able to get paid and there's more parody, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line. Like I, I was told, and and I also believe wasn't saving the one paying for kids and giving them money. He's, I mean, he was so far ahead of this, ahead of his time when it came to paying NIL. Yeah, he just didn't like how Jimbo was doing it and, and paying the I, – I think Saban's fine with the Bryce Youngs coming in and making themselves stars and getting paid off of it. But yeah. I think a lot of coaches, the biggest issue they have with it was paying the, the 17-year-olds who've never played it down in football, but we're just paying them because they got five – you know, rivals puts five stars next to their name and goes, right. oh, this kid's great. Um, and, again, it's happen- It's still happening around, uh, around college football, and it is what it is, but I just – I'm a coach again, anything you be, like, we're in a society right now. where like, we, we be, we could be going into a, a deficit, all these financial issues everybody's facing. No right. one would hear the eight millionaire bitch about how tough his job is. Or no. even just say things that are, are, are actual, like actually happening. Cause like, let's also, I'm not defending any of the coaches, but you're right. Like it, that's, that's the main thing. It's like, you can't sit here and tell anyone what they should be thinking about money. Like when you are getting, just like, like in the SEC, especially like the, I didn't know Drink was getting six million. Yeah, that's his extension. He just got extension. It's going to go up each year. Like, and, and again, I don't. And I like Drink as a person. I've interviewed him, and he's a nice guy. But like, skins on the wall, Mizzou. Like, he's got to do something there. Win yeah. some kind of big bowl game or something. Yeah. Um. Let me ask you a question. It's way more important than football. Did you have a pediatrician for how long? <laughs> I actually did. I had my same doctor. I went to like from birth to like up to high school. And eventually she was like, you may want to go look for an internist. Uh, yeah. Like an actual doctor. Yeah. Cause I have a carousel on the door here. If you didn't notice, right. And you may want to go somewhere else. See, I, I didn't realize that everybody at like, once you're 18, you just start going to see a real doctor. Um, right. And my mom kept making me go to the pediatrician. And I was like, First off, the pediatrician was located next to the atrium in Stone Mountain, which is where Ludacris filmed his What's Your Fantasy video. So it was a little bit behind the times. And I was always the oldest person in there. I remember finally I was like, listen, mom, like after what just happened, like I'm done. And because when I turned 18 and I was still going, I had to get my first adult physical with the turn your head and cough thing. And the fucking pediatrician was was Halloween. He was dressed up like a shark. So I had to get groped with a fin at 18 and get like a lollipop on my way out. It was Awful. Awful. Yeah. Anyway. I had a female pediatrician, so it was weird. That like, way cooler. I got to get a physical, and yeah, she's like, go go to somebody else. But was she not dressed up like a shark? Because that kind of, like, that was kind of my kink, so. Um, <laughs> all right. The other big news, and I and I love the quote that came out from Kirby Smart about it, because people have been kind of, um, I think our assumptions got the best of us, that the SEC going from eight conference games a year to nine was going to just be an automatic, right? Like, and, and as soon as they expand to 16 with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, especially, it was the foregone conclusion. And it probably still is going to happen. But we were talking about this earlier off air and on your podcast as well. Um, I just, like, I don't think the SEC needs to change anything if they don't want to, because it's been, you're, you're the most successful conference in, in the sport, hands down. And, and people can bitch about it all they want. But every single January, it seems like an SEC team is either walking off with the trophy or had just played for it or just beat somebody that also is in their conference as they walk off the trophy. Like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. At the same time, you had a different take on this, and it's probably the correct one, that a lot of this has to do with the TV deals. What, like, what are your thoughts on the on the schedule change? Yeah, well, you were getting a Kirby's quote, right, where he said most mm-hmm. over con- most over a conversation there is. Yeah, Kirby, because you're loaded, bro. Like right. you'll go you'll go to war against anybody. Like they could tell yeah. you tomorrow you're Russia. playing. Yeah, tomorrow you're playing the Houston Texans, and you'll be like, okay, it's cool. We'll go beat them. Like yeah, probably you're so. Just, <laughs> you're just loaded, so you don't care what your schedule looks like. Other schools, like the Mississippi schools, 
Lane and, and you know, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina, uh, Kentucky. These are schools that are like, man, like we got to get to six, seven wins. Yeah. Like, so when you go, hey, we're going from eight to nine game conference and, um, you know, hey, Kentucky, you keep playing Louisville and uh, South Carolina, you're going to keep Clemson too, right? So like now suddenly you're Shane Beamer looking at your schedule going, hey, bro, how do I get to six wins here? Because uh, right. this gave me Texas and Oklahoma and uh, this gets a lot tougher. So that's my thought on it is like Kirby having that take. Of course you have that take, Kirby. You Most overrated conversation. Yeah, because you'll go beat anybody anywhere. The rest of the SEC isn't loaded with five-star talent at every spot and a quarterback room that that could beat out any room in the country. Well, he also, he also brought up a good point though. And like, I think, I think part of it's like, it, it is easy to say in the same way people are like, I don't want to hear the millionaire talk about like, you know, kids getting paid and how it like, whatever. It's very easy to sit here and, and like point the finger at like other teams are scared. They don't want to go to nine conference games. I haven't heard that any teams have openly said that. I know right now they said that it's going to a vote. They wanted it to be like a unanimous decision. And then they decided to vote. I'm not sure if you know what unanimous means or, or like what voting entails, but it's almost never unanimous. Um, it, voting is when you rig the machine, right? In your favor. Next up on Chris and Co. Um, so they were 10, like, it, like the votes were like 10 to four in favor of going to nine games. But I'm with you. Like this, of course, since it's like the teams that are the most prevalent and prominent every year, Bama, Georgia, those are the ones that are in the news with their reactions. But from jump, who this was going to affect the most were the teams that had a ceiling right around eight games that do have to fight for, for like, you know, the, like South Carolina, Kentucky, they'll jump up and have a 10-win season every once in a while, Mississippi State. But those teams are consistently, you know, kind of in like the middle tier because the schedule is so tough and they don't have the resources the other teams have. So like, yeah, self-preservation, like you, you if you're bringing Texas and Oklahoma in here, like it's already hard enough to go win like six games – in that conference, like I, I just, I, I think it's it's easy with especially with Georgia schedules this year to say bring on whoever. And again, we all just assume that the SEC is going to get multiple teams into a twelve-team playoff. I we don't we haven't seen that format yet, so the assumption right. like is just that it's an assumption. I, I I don't think it's like written in stone that that that's guaranteed to happen. Well, and the BS automatic conference champion qualifier, I think, is silly too because again. Yeah. You're going to have years where the Big 12 champ sucks. You know, let's say somebody wins the Big 12 with four losses. They get an automatic spot, and we have three SEC teams with two losses. Right. Like, you know, you're that's where I, I hate the conference BS, but the, it's almost what you had to do. The, the college football playoff, the only way you're going to get everybody to agree to this is if co- some conferences go, we automatically get a seat at the table, right? Pac-12, we're at right. the end, and it's like, there's some years the Pac-12 sucks and they shouldn't get a, a team in. I mean, that's what's been great about the four-team playoff is that not every conference gets a seat at the table. You don't have to automatically get one, but unfortunately that's the way it goes. And we're going to have years where the SEC has four teams that maybe should qualify for the playoff, but they'll only get two in because the Pac-12 had to have their champion. The Pig 12 had to have their champion. Right. ACC had to have theirs and so on and so forth. But um, and then you're going to have the, the at-large bids and, you know, a group of five may get one in and, and that sort of thing. But to the bigger point here, um, as I understand it, what Greg Sankey said is, you know, we're we're expanding, we're bringing Texas and Oklahoma in a year earlier, and we've got this new TV contract with ESPN and ABC, and we're leaving CBS, but that revenue is based off of playing eight SEC games. If we expand right. nine SEC games, we need more revenue. And ESPN and, and ABC, they're going, well, we kind of had a deal already in place. And so this is where the, you know, calling each other's bluff is. So the SEC says, you know what, 2024, we'll just go with eight games and we'll play one permanent rival instead of the plan where we're going to go to nine and play three permanent rivals. Right. So in turn, look, we may do this for a year. And they said they may revisit it down the road. And maybe that's when the next TV deal comes up and they'll get more money and everybody be happy. But who's going to suffer is college football fans it, you right. know we're going to lose some big rivalry games in the sec in 2024 because of this hard-headedness yeah and i'll tell you what the other thing too like going back to like the the assumption that we're going to get all these teams in the playoff i think i think everyone because the the example of like a playoff the best playoff format in all of sports is march madness it's the most entertaining but there's a reason why like coach k at duke who's arguably maybe the greatest basketball coach of all time or in the last 50 years whatever 
he only won five national titles in like, you know, the hundred years he was there. It's a very difficult like gauntlet to get through. And I don't think we're going to see the same type. Like basketball is so different than football, right? Like, I, like I, I just, I don't think we're going to see unless it's, you know, an Ohio state playing a group of five school. I don't think we're going to see a bunch of upsets in, in like those games. So if we've already have a format where this, like the, up until this year, the semifinals, I think the average uh, margin of victory was over 17 or 18 points. I mean, like all of this could like theoretically backfire. And now you've changed the entire landscape and, and like, you know, structure of cultural and especially cultural like postseason, which has been something we've all loved forever. I, I just, they need to tread lightly. I feel like, and I, and I don't know if that's happening. The, the only choosing one, like, like, uh, permanent rivalry for 2024. I, I hate that. It's unfortunate what you're going to have to do, though, because you, I mean, look, and then there may be a way under the assumption that it's only a one year th- deal. Hey, we're just got to get through this year and then we'll change everything up again. That right. they may say, all right, the one rivalry we need to protect is the Iron Bowl. So, Bam and, and Auburn, y'all have to play each other. There may be something that they work in there and go, well, look, we got to protect Auburn, Georgia. You know, right. even though it's not a permanent rivalry, let's put them playing each other this year just to preserve that one. So, I mean, there may be things like that that they do, but uh, I don't know, man. It just it sucks because it just does feel like it's the SEC. I, and, and and to your point, like Seth Emerson had a good piece in The Athletic on Friday that mm-hmm. he dropped where he he spelled it out. He said there are there's the nine-game group or nine-game nine uh, SEC group, that, like Alabama, LSU, Georgia, like they were all in that. But the eight the eight game group, Mitch Barnhart at Kentucky has been so outspoken about it. And again, a big reason for it is because they want to keep their their permanent rivalry game with Louisville. Right. And they don't like the idea of going to nine SEC games and Louisville. And I'm sure Shane Beamer in South Carolina probably feel the same way. Hey, if we're going to nine games, Clemson, we're we're knocking out this rivalry game because we can't play you guys and nine SEC teams every year. So that may be ultimately what we lose, Marler. We may lose those, you know, Georgia, Georgia Tech even though that one George is not worried about them, but like we may lose those other rivalries, sacrifice them for the sake of a nine game SEC schedule. I mean, there's a chance that we also might just actually like literally sacrifice Georgia tech and their <laughs> football cro- program in general. Um, last thing on this, like Kirby smart brought up the point. This is what he said. He said, uh, our buddy Graham coffee posted this earlier. Interesting quote from Kirby today. He seemed more interested in talking about the SEC championship game birth being a disadvantage than eight league games versus nine. That's a lot better topic for me. Is somebody going to get an advantage by not going to the SEC championship game, but making the expanded playoff? That's a lot better topic to me than eight or nine games. And he's right. I can tell you like firsthand, you know, you could argue that like, why would you want to go to the SEC championship game? If you had a better chance to not play in it, not get injured, not lose, and then just sit that out and still go to the national championship game. Um, It's, you know, I don't think it's going to be the chaos of March Madness or anything like that, but I do think that like the lack of of leadership and direction at like the top, which is the NCAA, and the fact that like none of this is universal from from conference to conference is only going to get worse. Thank God Kevin Warren is gone because I can't imagine what like I mean, they might just secede at the, for the Big Ten. <laughs> um, anyway, a little bit less serious. Um, but I will tell you that I was offended by this way more than anything else we've talked about so far. You were talking about Mitch Barnhart at Kentucky, who's really, really passionate about uh, sticking up for his university. You know what he's not passionate about? Fucking hospitality for a baseball regional that they're hosting this weekend in Lexington. So if you haven't seen this, incredible news at Kentucky. So Kentucky is one of the eight SEC baseball teams that's hosting a regional. It's, it's the most in the history, I think, of the NCAA baseball tournament. Um, everything starts on Friday, and they have Indiana. They have they – have, uh, West Virginia. Yeah, uh, Mountain Mama, all that. So Kentucky's hosting, and in the most – tell me you had zero plans on making it to the postseason as a host in general. They announced today that they had a um, an issue with anyone trying to stay in the city of Lexington, which is not a small city. It's not like it's fucking Starkville or something like that. Right. It's a pretty big city, but there is nothing within one hour of Lexington in terms of hotels or, uh, I don't know, like a manger if Jesus is coming. I don't know. There's, there's no room in the inn for anybody. And their solution to it was, you tell me. Well, 
Railbird Festival is the event that's going on. It is it's one of the bigger, uh, more newer music festivals there in Lexington. I believe last year they did it at uh, uh, the the racetrack there, and now they're doing it at like an uh, the other racetrack that's like right next to Kentucky's campus. Right. So it's like even more complicated there. Uh, Zach Bryan's a pretty big deal. He's the Saturday headliner, but mm-hmm. the, the monster one is Sunday. It's Tyler Childers. He's like the biggest. One of the biggest artists, you know, in the country, like, right, you know, whatever that is, folk singer, I guess you'll call him, but like he's beloved in, in Kentucky and Lexington. And so, yeah, it's this big music fest. I think um, Weezer, Cheryl Crow, like all these other big artists are performing. One of um, the Mumfords, not both sons, but one of them. <laughs> yeah, just only only one of them. Ricky Skaggs. I mean, it's you know, it got some throwback artists on there, but it, you got this going on and this has been planned. So, yeah. I mean, look, you can't do much about it other than tell people Cincinnati's an hour north and Louisville's an hour west and go get, you know, get a hotel room there. Which they should have done. And and still, I th- like, it, like, I don't think that if you if your schedule and your resume says you deserve to host, then fine. You deserve to host. But also, like, if, if you're hosting a regional, like, I, I feel like you also have to, to have some sort of amenities or um i don't know have the infrastructure in place that it's not gonna be an issue oh contraire marler did you not see they have a plan they do uh, have a plan they're offering the dormitories at uh i believe is it 92 dollars a night you can write okay, so this this is and everything i'm about to say is very real and when i said i was way more offended by this than anything else because like here's the thing you're going as an athlete into the postseason and, and like it's a very exciting time some of these kids are going to be playing like you're, you're trying to get to omaha and if you're, especially baseball players are superstitious, like pregame stuff, it's fun going on the road with your team. It's fun, like, kind of like, you know, shutting the, the noise out and all that kind of stuff. I tell you what, it's kind of fun sometimes to go get a continental breakfast every once in a while. You know what I mean? That little omelet machine, all the cereal dispenser, as much cereal as I want. Is that a challenge? I think continental is the one where it's just like muffins and bananas and stuff, right? I don't know. I think that's the, con- I think that's continental. I think the, the, like when you get eggs and stuff, that's like a step up. Continental Plus. I don't fucking know. Yeah. It's Continental Plus Hawaii. Either way. But like, so what Kentucky's doing, they're trying to make lemonade, which also is fine. If they would have come out and been like, it was like a best in show situation where it's like, oh my gosh, we lost your reservation. We're going to try to make up, make it up to you. You're going to have to stay in like the, the broom closet, but we, we have like room service for you. Like, that's not what Kentucky did. Kentucky put like a dress on a fucking turd and was like, look, you're going to take this thing to prom. It's going to be great. Kentucky came out and said, the solution was they're going to stay at one of the dorms on campus. The best part about that is like you mentioned, they're still making them pay $192. I'm sorry, $185 per room. It'd be but one that's... thing to be like, Oh my gosh, we, we messed up guys. So it's going to be not the best situation. We're going to make the best of it. No, it's like, listen, you're going to go stay in the freshman dorm and sleep on a twin single mattress in the dorm and you're also going to pay us $185. I think I read, though, the 185 is if you want to put two people in a split. Now, if you want to put four people in there, it's cheaper. It's like 92 a person. So right. it's, it's a little bit cheaper. And look, hey, we'll just we'll go bunk beds. We'll bunk it. Uh, community bathroom. We all share share the toilet and the shower and stuff and, and that kind of thing. And the, the uh, way they tried to spin it like that. Same thing with the coaches, too. They're putting the coaches in the same amenities. They, they, so they sent out this email to the teams and this was like the best part because they, they tried to make it like, like they, they actually tried to sell it and it was like, all right, so if you guys are coming to town for this weekend, which like, yeah, like we have to, we're playing a baseball tournament this weekend, hoping to advance to, to, to Omaha. They bring up the first thing it says is rooms, ty- or room types and cost. Again, this is just something you would send out to like incoming freshmen so they knew what dorms, what their dorms were going to look like when they had to go like, like back to school shopping. The first thing on their list of amenities was linens, which was a strong and bold start. Because there's one thing I know that I like sticks out to me most is I better have like a 600 thread count Egyptian cotton on a single twin bed. Hey, look, man, I know the showers only got cold water and you don't have much food for us but you better have damn good clean linens for me and no girls there better be no girls in your room after 10 p.m so what was funny about this is all the people that were like defending it i'm sure that i'm being dramatic about it but like i i like 
I would much rather stay at like, I mean, fuck, man, I'd stay at a night's in, which is like, I'm pretty sure where nothing good has ever happened besides like the beginning of every Unsolved Mysteries episode ever. But it, like, this is pretending like you're, you're still putting on like a, a, like a hospitality show over here by moving them into, and wait for it, um, they sent out the, the same copy paste, uh, what do you call it? The same copy paste graphic from the website right here's all the things they listed and you tell me how many how many of these they're gonna need for a weekend a three-day weekend in a baseball tournament um it was open in 2005 baldwin hall is named after dale baldwin former uk cheerleader don't give a shit at all <laughs> at all um, is this like fun facts they're trying to give you on where you're yeah. staying and it's like it's like a two-bedroom just shit brick looking dorm and it's like pretty new 2005 like it's a used car salesman trying to tell me where to sleep uh twin extra extra long double beds this is the best part multi-density polyurethane foam mattress extra firm on one side i'll tell you what you don't like that you don't want it to be extra firm ah, flip it over plush firm on the other side two options somebody in the comments actually defended that as a as a plus um fully furnished rooms with a uh a, a four drawer desk because you're gonna need that you're gonna be packing a lot of shit for that weekend um High-speed wired and wireless cable. Oh. Or, I mean, internet. Yeah, well, study you, areas. You, you need wired if you have, like, a Xbox from 2003. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see here. Laundry room on, on each floor. In parentheses, it's $1.50 for the washer and $1.50 for the dryer. Uh, Multi-purpose room. And then my personal favorite, bike parking. Thank God they didn't just take the extra three seconds to just highlight that, hit the delete button, and be like, well, hey, we tried. Forget the last one. I mean, refrigerator and microwave combination provided. So the microwave and refrigerator are, like, connected, I assume. Yeah. Uh, but but no lie, for West Virginia, this they may come in there and go, damn, Kentucky's fancy. Damn. I, I hope it ends with West Virginia fans burning every single couch in every single one of these dorms. But, like, the West Virginia players, no disrespect, but, like, I think some of them will come in here and go, this is nicer than our campus. Yeah. They're like, one of them will walk in and take his hat off out of respect at some point, for sure. Um, there was also one of the quotes about it, and I think it's deleted now, but somebody made the comment. They said, um, I don't understand what the big deal is. And he's, like, listing off all the amenities. And one of the amenities was potentially private bedroom. Like, it was, like, I'm sorry. Let's let's not gloss over that. Like if, if, if that, just don't list it at all. Um, it well, was incredible. Was, you saw the map though, right? Of the rooms, it's like two rooms with bunk beds with a shared bathroom in the middle of them. So you're literally all like, if somebody's got got to drop a deuce, the other three guys have to all deal with it because that's how dorm living is. Yeah, and it just listen. If I have to do that, I'd rather say, like I said, a Holiday Inn Express or a Best Western or a fucking Howard Johnson. They'll anyway. stay. Like I, I honestly think these schools will go. Forget it. We'll just stay in Cincinnati. We'll drive the hour in. Like yeah, it's more sense than than this option. But kudos uh, to Kentucky for trying to find an option. No, 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 no. Fuck that. That is not even close to what my take. Like, also, I forgot to put, throw this in there. They they tried to dress up the team meals that would be provided and catered from Aramark. Oh, yeah. So, like, hot dogs and nachos. Like, Aramark is the most basic cafeteria food thing ever. I just, like, this, the, it's Firefest, but, but with, with baseball. I love it. I love it. So, um, but is this advantage? I think this is advantage Kentucky in their regional. I think they got a better shot because so of that's, that is a good point. Like, I, I thought about that earlier. If this is like an Iowa painting the visitor's locker room pink situation, brilliant. Yeah, one of your commenters said Cincinnati's only an hour from Kentucky. Yes, that's one of the cool parts. There's a lot of Kentucky fans that are Reds fans, they drive up and go to Cincinnati Great American Ballpark. And, uh, you know, if you're Brad Bohannon, you go place bets there, but. Who do you think he's going to be betting on this weekend? Man. I mean, Bama's hosting a regional. I'm sure he'll have action on that one. I would I would honestly love to see him, like, just fully lean into it and, and just Pete Rose it and, like, just show up in Vegas, like, dress up, like, in his old jersey and have no one get it. Like, no one will get it. 
if you're like if you're DraftKings or BetMGM or something like wouldn't you want to pay that guy to like to do commercial like i'd go like you said double down go do endorsements for betting websites i don't think it's a selling point to have him on there or that anyone knows who he is and he's got a pretty massive issue in his front two teeth but like which isn't his fault but i mean like yeah it, it does kind of feel, like i don't think it would have the same type of strategy from a marketing standpoint as we saw with like oj or something like that uh afterwards so anyway look um, this guy this, the, the headline is this guy loves gambling so much he bet his he sacrificed his job for it yeah how much could he have like i don't know what his salary was but how much could he have made betting a college baseball game well the problem was they bet on lsu who was the heavy favorite that night yeah, so, so and there's no way that he didn't bet, he bet like the run line because there probably wasn't a run line. Yeah, so like a ten thousand dollar bet on LSU to win straight up probably won you like a thousand, like if that was it worth hundred. it, Bo? Was it worth it? Tell you what, Bo doesn't know, and that's gambling. Well, I mean, I think he won that bet. So <laughs> it's true, very true. Um, all right, this is not a joke, but I feel like there was another topic that I had told you we were going to talk about. And I can't remember what it was now. Oh, the uh, you greatest teams to never win a championship? I think you throw that out. Yeah, yeah. But I thought that was another one, too. Um, we can do a very brief. We're going we're gonna to kick off a series in the offseason talking about the greatest teams that never won a championship. I did some deep dives the other night. We did one on the Heisman. Um, I'll tell you what. You know how they say don't ever meet your heroes? Because, like, it'll, it'll just leave a bad taste in your mouth. If you ever look at like the 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 stats from like the the top ten finalists from the Heisman from like 1970 to like 1980, it is the most depressed. I I'm not convinced that anyone knew how to throw a football. Like Dan Marino, I learned had 69 career interceptions at Pitt. Wow, it's almost impossible. The uh, like. Uh- I don't know, like those old 50s. You ever watch film of like the old 50s Ole Miss LSU games and stuff where it's just like Billy Cannon running and nobody ever throws a pass? Like, yeah, it, and when they do, they always hold their arm up like this for some reason. Like, I don't... The, the ball's in the air for like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I don't really... Like, I, I'm barely making a joke when I say this because like the, the Heisman was so bad for such a long time where it was like, it's not, it wasn't a stat driven award, which is great. But some of these years it was like, yeah. So the winner had 12 touchdowns and 18 interceptions, but he threw for 800 yards. We complain about issues with college football today, but like the fact you used to have teams that would just go undefeated, not play a bowl game and claim a national championship. Like, here we go. Or a team that, you know, like Bama, a lot of their early titles, they, they would like lose their bowl game, finish with two losses and go, yep, that's a national championship. Here's our trophy. I, I will say it's it's incredibly fucked up when you look back on the fact that this was a sport that we all loved and took seriously every year and just willingly walked into the postseason and were like, okay, we played all of our games. We played our schedule like Penn State. Like there were three separate times that Penn State finished the season undefeated and didn't win a national championship. One time they went 12 and 0 and finished fifth. So, and the reason why is was like, okay, well, there's two possible chances for us to win a, a national title. There's, there's like the coaches one, uh, like, or wh- whichever one, like, the, I'm trying to think of which one it was. But the, the one that everyone recognizes is after the season's over and we're not going to have like a one versus two, like, built in matchup. We're going to leave it up to the sports writers of America to decide our fate and who should rightfully be the national champion. There's no way that could be. Arler, we had this crap fuck. 20 years ago this year. Nick Saban and LSU go play Oklahoma for the national championship. USC wins the Rose Bowl and a bunch of writers go back. USC was the best team. No, you can't do that. They didn't play for a championship. Well, they, they obviously did. Oklahoma did. Like, it's just, it's the dumbest thing. And thank God, at least along the way, Nobody really brings that up anymore about Saban. They're just like, oh, the championship he wanted LSU, and we just accept it. Right. But like for the longest, it was, and then now that's half a title. He only split a title. He didn't win the AP. It's like, go bleep yourself. Like that was the dumbest crap ever. We agreed to all these rules before the season on how the BCS was going to work. Right. And that will crown a champion. And the writers at the end of the year went, no, I don't agree with that. I think USC was the best. Okay, whatever. You know what? Somebody just posted this in the, uh, 
Yeah, I have no comment on that because I don't remember that season because Bama was like four and nine and I was like 18. So I was listening to Taking Back Sunday in my, Mike my Shula, room. Mike Shula, great guy. Shut up. Um, so this is what we're going to do. Instead of doing the, the best teams that never won a, sh- a title, we're going to start that series later. And because um, the, the LSU one is, I think, like such a blatantly obvious one, that 20, 2011 LSU team. Um, but I want to ask you this because we've already kind of had hate in our heart as the theme. That one guy in the comments, which I did not give any attention to until right now, who said um, just nothing positive. Uh, <laughs> I brought this up the other day. Who are who are the like you don't have to do top five, but which players from your own school did you hate more than anyone else from your program's history? You're an LSU guy. Yeah, I mean, to me, the the hardest one was was Jordan Jefferson because, and let me preface this a little bit. My buddy covered high school football and covered Jordan Jefferson at, in high school at Dester, Desterhan high. Right. And Jordan Jefferson threw the ball a lot. Jordan Jefferson was actually a pretty good passer from the pocket and he had running ability, but like he got to LSU and less miles went, all right, you're just going to hand the ball off. And when you, when you don't hand the ball off, you're going to tuck it and run it. And it was like, dude, how, wait, how about you develop him as a passer? And they never did. Cam Cameron and, and Les Miles and that whole crew. And like Jordan Jefferson averaged like 80 yards passing a game. And it just was like, and then LSU gets that championship rematch against Bama and like can't do Jack. And it's because they never developed the kid as a passer. And, and Jarrett Lee was actually the, the better passer uh, that year, 2011. But like it, it's, it's frustrating. But the blessing in what Jordan struggled with he was able to mentor his younger brother, Justin Jefferson, who has now become, what, the greatest, arguably the greatest wide receiver in the NFL right now. So it was He's a not a good quarterback, though, so like he really didn't teach him that much. <laughs> right, but it was a blessing and a curse. Like You had to go through the, the awful, those awful years with what Jordan Jefferson did at quarterback. But like, right. and, and the kid's really a good kid. Like, if you talk to him Isn't and meet him. Like, Punch a Marine? And, no, that was Ryan Paralu. That one's probably the most disappointing. I was going to say, that's the one I feel like would be the obvious answer. That was the five-star kid that was supposedly like a Texas lean all the way. And then on signing day, picks LSU. And keep in mind, Les Miles wins the 07 championship with Matt Flynn. And the stage was set for them to continue this run of dominance. Right. Perilu lives up to the hype. But Perilu kept getting into bar fights and uh, got kicked out of a casino for using a fake ID. Like everything you can think of. He did everything wrong. So I think you're right. I think I'll switch my answer to, and say Ryan Perilou. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, like, I, look, you talk about that 2011 team, and, like, I don't know if, like, they – I think we all forget that how good that team was because the way it ended. Because it wasn't like – you know, a lot of people didn't think that Bama should have been in there. I will obviously maintain they were a better team than than Oklahoma State. Like, I, I don't – like, like – I also realized that if Oklahoma State played LSU, LSU would have been celebrating a national championship and, and Les Miles probably would have been there for longer. But when you talk about that season, like the 2019 season for LSU, I said it was like the greatest season of all time, right? Just because like they went on the road, beat Texas, they beat seven top 10 teams. You look at how great Georgia was a year ago. And you talk about the all-time great teams. Like 2001 Miami is like, for whatever reason, the default answer for a lot of people that is like maybe the greatest team of all time. 2019 LSU, I think 2013 FSU gets overlooked a ton some of those Nebraska teams. Um, but I tell you what, you look at LSU's schedule in 2011. If they end up winning the national title, without a doubt, they are in that same like group as, as being mentioned as one of the top three or four teams of all time. Listen to this. Like you brought up like the offense, right? How bad the offense was. LSU played eight ranked opponents uh, that season. They were ranked at the time. They beat them by an average of 24.3 points per game. They scored 40 or more points in six of those eight games. Yeah, and one of them I remember was what, at West Virginia? Like early in the year, they went to Morgantown. Week three, Oregon, like in a neutral site. I mean, they they were they, – they gave up 11 points per game. Yeah, that, that defense was – I mean, Ty- Tyron Matthew went to the – he was a Heisman finalist. Like, it was – yeah – that that's the great probably the greatest LSU what what could have been 
If Oklahoma State, what was it? They lost at Iowa State on like a Thursday night or something. Thursday night, yeah. They, and it was Friday right night. after it was right after a plane crash where like some student athletes died and they were like still forced to play that game and people were like still upset and crying. And they played that game. I think I Justin was it Justin Blackman was the wide receiver. He was the anyway. Pilot. What's that? Nothing. <laughs> but if they win that game, <laughs> if if Oklahoma State wins that game, LSU plays Oklahoma State beats them. And you're right. You're talking about LSU champions in 03, uh, 07, and 2011. Right. And the question is, when does the Saban dynasty start at Bama if they don't play for a title that year? Probably the next year. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I guess. And also, I mean, like, it's it's so easy to look back and just say, like, this is what would have definitely happened. Like, I, like I, for a long time, I kept saying if the kick six didn't happen, Bama would have won their fourth national title in five years. I don't think anybody was beating that Florida State team. I know Auburn came close, but like that team was incredibly dominant and it's so deeply talented. Um, this team, like they scored in every single facet of the game. I don't know what happened in the national championship and why all of a sudden you went from being able to score 40 points a game to zero. And Bama was obviously very good. Um, oh, they also, took. I, I don't know why I thought this would be a more fun discussion. It seems like I just brought up like, like trauma for you. You don't remember that game? It was, I'll never forget this. LSU and Bama played the game of the century earlier that year in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. And LSU won, what was it, 9-6? to 9-6. to six. Les Miles took that film and went, dude, everything that worked in that game, we're going to do it again because it beat Bama. Nick Saban went, everything we did in that game, we're going to do the opposite. They came yeah. out throwing in the championship, and LSU right. wasn't ready for it. They're like, wait, you have Trent Richardson. You're supposed to run the football. And Bama's like, no, no, no. Oh, I we think Les Miles knew you were allowed to throw it. Yeah, he was like, you can't. Do the opposite of what you're supposed to do. How's that boy doing out there? So yeah, look, hey, credit Saban. I mean, they they they, you know, it's it started what what became that their great run and brought Alabama to what they are today. Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't trying to take it to there. I mean, if the, again, I thought this would be a much more fun conversation. Looking well, back the, at the dynasty's dead now, though. I mean, George Kirby's got the dynasty going now, so. Well, and you look at it like that's an interesting time in the SEC too, and we'll we'll get into it more like um and some of these deep dives, like I said, to the season because I tell you what, I one of the things I looked up this weekend, and it's not to start an argument with Tennessee fans just to do it, but like I love looking back and trying to figure out like why things happened, like like because there's so many cliche like oh Auburn 2004 should have won this or like you know just something like that just obviously this is like one of the main ones because they were 13 and 0, um but that 97 Heisman. Like that was like still considered like the biggest, uh, you know, or like the, the most rigged and 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 wrong, um, wrongful winner I think of like all time. They kept calling it the Heisman. Um, there's a ton of these like that, but you look at like like the what ifs that could have happened from in the SEC from 2011 to 2013. You remember like South Carolina won 11 games every year that year, or uh, during that stretch. Georgia yeah. like seemed up and down, but like you talk about 2012, there were probably a minimum four teams in this conference that would have beaten Notre Dame for a national title that year. One, one of the things that's just so crazy to think, and I know Georgia fans, some people hate him, some people love him, but the fact that uh, Mark Rick never, I mean, like it feels like during that run at Georgia, he should have broke through once and won a title, right? Yeah. I mean, well, you look at it now, like obviously like it is, it was possible Oh, the Herman Brown brings up a good point. He said West Virginia beat Clemson seventy to thirty something that year. Do you know who the defensive coordinator was for Clemson? Was it Kevin Steele? It's your DC, yeah. Motherfucker. <laughs> well, at least he finally figured it all out last year in Miami. So, <laughs> man, hey, look, I hope it works out for you guys. No, you don't. Also, here's the most like people are concerned that like the biggest issue with him would be the potential like the defense would be bad or even worse than it was last year. The real concern, I don't know if you guys are, remember his last stint in the SEC, but this dude straight up just tried to like just sneak his way into and strong arm his way into the head coaching position. He was the head coach at Auburn and Tennessee in a two-month span, and he got paid for both. You don't, Never think, he's, the game. You don't think he's laying that foundation going, Nick, if you want to hang it up, bro, I got you. I think, yeah, just like they need to check his like search history immediately. It's like, where to buy arsenic? How much arsenic do I need to buy? Oh my God. Anyway. All right. 
Um, this was fantastic and, and way less angry than some of the response we had. Um, we're, we'll do another episode on Thursday. Uh, it's obviously a little bit thrown off this week because of the Memorial Day weekend. It'll be with Drew Butler. Um, but make sure you guys go check out that. Uh, Herman Brown might be at the South Carolina Regional in Columbia this weekend. And uh, hold on, I, said, I just read something that said killed. I thought it was back to that plane crash story. Yeah, by the way, don't bring your fucking sob story about the plane crash that none of us knew about. That was like a Marshall or or like Leonard Skinner situation. Hey, Tom, Tom Rinaldi did a whole seven minute piece that had me crying the whole time on it. So you can go back and find that it. That was about like the, the ShamWow. He could have made anyone cry about anything. He's like the opposite of Samuel L. Jackson or Morgan Freeman. I, I just read Kirk Herbstreet's book, and he uh, he talks about how great some of those game day – like college game day to me, I watch the SEC Network show sometimes, but yeah. nothing beats college game day to me, and that's the one biggest thing I miss is the Tom Rinaldi cancer kid who has one wish and just wants to, just wants to hang out with Kool-Aid McKinstry, and then he dies the week of the Iron Bowl. Yeah. Kool-Aid gets a pick six. Like, I miss those stories. Do you remember the story he did? And we'll end with this, but I, it was, I remember watching this hungover on a Sunday in Milledgeville, and it was a story about the, the Charleston Nine, and it was, I, I think it was Somerville High School. It's, it's where A.J. Green went. And it was a story about this, like, fireman who was an assistant coach on, like, their eighth-grade basketball team. And he was like, he always told us if we worked hard enough, we would, well, someday we could win the state championship. It's like, of course he fucking told you that because you had A.J. Green on your basketball team for one and two like what's he gonna tell you you're gonna go seven and five so anyway so we're like we're all sitting in silence like you know 18 19 20 just very grossly hung over and no one's saying a word and and this is the most gut-wrenching like he he was in his bag in this story because he was like they're, they're telling the story they had the audio for when he got trapped in a fire in this warehouse and like like his last words were like, he's like, tell my wife I love her. And, and like, you just hear everyone in the room just like sniffling. And we're like, this is, this is unbelievable. And he keeps going. And it was like, all right, at some point you got to like fucking wrap it up here, Tom. Um, it ended with them hitting a last second free throw to win the game until there was a floor length buzzer beater just heaved from the other side in and they lost. And for like three or four seconds, they let you hang on there. It's like, and the season was over. But wait. And they sent it to review and they somehow won. I was like, this is fucking too much. I can't. You imagine dating Tom Rinaldi. His wife has to be exhausted. He's 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 great. But unfortunately, now he's on Fox with that whole crew of Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and Urban Meyer. And if Urban Meyer wasn't on there, I'd probably watch it more. Yeah. But they're talking Big Ten and it sucks. So, yeah, that's true. Big noon, big noon kickoff, they call it. I just like, I mean, and Bear Felique is over there now, too. Yeah. Still in all the old good people from ESPN. Oh, okay. I don't know about that. They still have Jamel Hill. So, um, anyway, on that note, guys, thank you for joining us. We'll have another show, like I said, on Thursday. Um, and Gordy, tell everyone where they can find you, and we'll, get, we'll see you soon. Yeah, just locked on uh, SEC. If, you're, if you like all the SEC stuff, come on over and uh, check us out. All right. Thanks, dude. We will talk to y'all soon, and y'all have a great rest of the week. Bye.